G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, you may have been enjoying the action of the World Cup soccer. Lots of disappointment for Australian Socceroos fans that our national team went down to Peru 2-0 on Tuesday night. And so we were knocked out in the first round. But it truly is the world game and one of the biggest sporting events on earth. What you may not know is that soccer is not the only game in play in Russia right now. Russian Christians, empowered and supported by Mission Eurasia, are conducting a World Cup scripture distribution campaign on a huge scale. Mission Eurasia, and uh, for those who've been following along what happens in Russia, you might be familiar with the former Russian ministries. Well, Mission Eurasia is their new name. They're partnering with Russian believers to beat a crackdown on religious activity and using soccer's global platform for evangelizing an estimated 3 million fans. Walter Kulikov is Mission Eurasia's Vice President of Ministries and Church Relations. He grew up in Australia after his family fled communist oppression in China. Now He's with us on the line from the United States today. A special welcome to you, Walter Kulikov. Uh, Neil, thank you so much. What a privilege, what an honor to be with you and to share with you what God is doing in that land that we call Russia. Well, Walter, I know that you like to keep things fairly informal. We'll call you Wally from now on. And you grew up in Australia. Let's uh, take us back to some Australian roots because you're Russian descent. Now you're in the United States. You've, in fact, worked and lived all over the world. But take us back to Australian days. Uh, Neil, what an, what an honor. That's where I came to know Jesus Christ in Australia. It was actually Gladstone. It was an evangelical church, and a missionary was speaking, and the Lord touched my heart. I dedicated my life to the Lord when I was 14 years old, and also recommitted my life back at home, because we didn't have a church. I grew up in a little place called Yawan, or it's close to Mount Larkham, and I went to high school at Mount Larkham, and then eventually uh, finished high school in Sydney, Australia. But yes, my parents were refugees from China. Uh, We were... We were resettled to Queensland. I grew up on a purple farm in Queensland, close to Gladstone, Kalaipi River, if anyone knows where that is. And then Rockhampton was just north of us. So, yes, Australia is a wonderful country, and God has blessed me because of Australia. And it was in Australia when I was 19 years old, I heard a missionary challenging young people not to forget their roots. And I had Russian roots. I didn't know how to read or write Russian. At 19 years of age, I became interested. The Lord touched me, and I went home, and I started to uh, read the Scriptures. It was Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. There were three things in my life that I was interested in. I was interested in an, an education, getting an education, then to make some money and to become somebody. In Jeremiah, 20, uh, nine, uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, they say, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. 
Let not the rich man glory in his riches, and let not the mighty man glory in his might, but he that glories, let him glory in this, that he understands me and knows that I am the Lord. So, Neil, today I want to glory in the fact that I know Jesus Christ. I came to know Jesus Christ in Australia. I was baptized in Australia, and the Lord called me to missionary work in Australia. And here you are in the middle of what is a very big international campaign right now, uh, World Cup Scripture Distribution. Take us right to the heart of what's happening because uh, already this distribution is underway, so we're in the middle of the World Cup. Give us a little update as to what's happened so far, Wally. Uh, Neil, uh, this is an amazing opportunity for Russia. The first uh, the first sports um uh, that the Russians love is hockey, ice hockey. The second on their list is uh, is soccer or football, soccer as we call it. And so today in Russia, over 4 million tickets have been sold, and we have 230 churches involved with this. 250 churches have committed to fast and pray for this event. The Russians used to use uh, celebrations like a funeral as an evangelistic event, a birthday party as an evangelistic event, or they used, uh, or, or, or they used uh, an occasion um, like a wedding for an evangelistic event. And so 250 churches in Russia said, why don't we use the, the World Cup as an evangelistic event, even though there are strict laws that are restricting evangelicals to actually distribute scriptures like standing on the corner, do street evangelism. What the young people have come up with is flash mobs. They go on Red Square, and three times they perform some kind of a skit that presents the gospel, and they hand out the literature. They move to another part of Red Square and perform a five-minute presentation, and then move to another part of, uh, of Moscow. And so they're doing the major cities, and that's 15 cities of Russia, from Volgograd, Novosibirsk, St. Petersburg, Moscow, Ekaterinburg, those places of the world. And we have printed literature. Neil, we have printed the Gospel of John with a QR code at the back. We have printed the magazine Light, and we have also printed the New Testament with a QR code on the back. Answers to difficult questions that young people ask. And also... As they, as they scan the QR code, it gives them the location of the closest evangel- evangelical church on the Yandex map. It's not Google Maps, but it's Yandex, Russian Yandex Maps. And so the young person can find an evangelical church close by. A young man just recently, uh, just a couple of days ago, sent an email and said, I gave a Gospel of John to a, a young lady. I was just walking down the street, and our eyes met, and I handed her the Gospel of John. She put it in her bag. In the evening, she realized she had something in her bag. She began to read the Gospel of John. It was Saturday night. And well, then he, she scanned the yep. Yeah, she scans the QR card, finds the evangelical church, goes to church on Sunday morning, and finds the young people at her that are in fellowship with Jesus and also the local church. Okay, we'll talk about young and old as a focus of the outreach uh, just ahead. But let me just cut to the chase here as we get a little bit of an idea 
perhaps checking the pulse of spirituality in Russia because there is a crackdown, Wally, on religious activity in Russia. So uh, no doubt there's some risks that these churches are taking in having an outreach during the World Cup. Uh, But uh, take us to some of the detail as to what's happening with Christianity in Russia because this uh, Yaravaya law, as I understand it, uh, is a crackdown on evangelism. Anything outside of the walls of the church, what's, what's it all about? Exactly. Uh, in the past two years, uh, they've had 600 cases of religious violations in Russia because of the Yaravayev law. Uh, these um, evangelical groups that have no history in Russia, for instance, uh, it's the Jehovah's Witness or the Seventh-day, no, Seventh-day Adventists do have, or the Mormons. And so some of these people who do open evangelistic events have been fined heavily. Now, the registered churches in, Australia, uh, in, uh, in Russia, the registered churches in Australia, can do evangelistic activities on the property. They can also do evangelistic activities if they are certified to do evangelistic work. In other words, the local church has a certified individual who can hand out literature because he was given permission by the church and the government to be involved in this activity, and he's called a missionary. So he has to have the certificate and the card. And so the Russian churches have found ways to overcome this. And so what have they done? Uh, the Russian churches uh, have um, charging stations with literature on it. Young people have started, you know, charging stations, and they have Gospels of John, the Bibles, the New Testaments, and uh, the Light magazine. Then they have water bottle stations. And they have literature. They don't, they're not handing it out, but a person can take it. And then they also have screens in the church. Every church within the 15 cities that has assigned itself to do evangelism, either a flat screen television or just screens in the city where they live um, broadcast the games that the Russian people could not afford or could not go. And so the church is re-airing some of these events so that the local people will not be afraid to enter into the church because now they're watching a sports event. And during the interim meal, uh, what they have is um, cookies. They have all biscuits, and they have coffee and tea, and they have testimonies and singing, and young people engaging the non-Christian people uh, who have come to the church. And uh, great to be using the World Cup soccer as an opportunity like that. Uh, Take us a little bit into uh, some of the uh, socio-economic issues within communities in Russia, because as I understand it, there's significant levels of poverty. And when you say that there are Russian people who'll turn up at a church to watch the World Cup soccer on a big screen, uh, and they can't can't necessarily afford to have their own TV, Uh, what sort of levels of poverty are there uh, in so many sections of Russia? The major cities of Russia, um, they have jobs. The major cities of Russia is is not actually Russia. When you visit Moscow, that is not Russia. 100 kilometers outside of Moscow, that's Russia. Uh, People have outhouses, no running water. Uh, They have a garden at the back. They have a cow for their produce and so forth. And so amongst the teenagers of Russia, Russia is the number one country of suicide rates among teenagers in Russia today. Addiction is the highest in the world in Russia amongst young people and teenagers. 
HIV is the highest in all of Eurasia, and that's in Russia, and Moldova and Ukraine, the other two countries. But Russia, HIV is extremely high. The other, the other tragedy of Russia is human trafficking. Human trafficking is on the level that the other parts of the world uh, cannot comprehend. Uh, young ladies are offered jobs in restaurants and in, in places where they can afford money, and all of a sudden they find themselves in a different location, and their passports are taken away. And corruption in Russia is extremely, extremely high. So you have a country with suicide rate, addictions, HIV, human traffic, corruption, alcoholism, and, and so forth. And so people uh, seem to be hopeless outside of the bigger cities. Within the cities, they can find a job, they can find friends, and then alcoholism is great because all of a sudden they don't see uh, a bright future ahead of them. And so, as I said, suicide amongst the young people is extremely high. So our desire is for young people to receive these little cards. We also hand out little cards with QR codes where they can find answers to difficult questions. There's no scriptures on the card, so it's not evangelism. It says, Answers to difficult questions, and they scan this card, and they go and find questions to uh, who is God? Um, is there heaven? Is there hell? And so forth. So, Neil, the socioeconomic situation in Russia is changing rapidly. All the people who could leave Russia are leaving, and Russia has lost uh, 6 million Jews. Russia has lost 4 million uh, Russians who immigrated to the United States of America. I know that the, the Baptist Church in Brisbane, the Russian Baptist Church in Brisbane is growing by leaps and bounds. They have just hired a new uh, associate pastor in the Russian Baptist Church in Brisbane because the immigrants are leaving that part of the world and finding countries like Australia and New Zealand, uh, USA, Canada, UK, and Europe, where they can see a brighter future. So today the dimness is there because the Orthodox Church has not taken the responsibility, the responsibility of allowing people to have the Word of God in their homes. They read the Word of God in the church, and so if you're working, you have to take time off from your work and go to the church and listen to the Word of God being read in the church. And so they're prohibiting people to read God's Word in the church, and so for, uh, I think for uh, uh, the great culprit of all of this is the Orthodox Church that is restricting people to read God's Word in their homes, and, and, that's, and that's a tragedy, Neil, that's a tragedy. Let's talk about churches because uh, we in Australia probably don't understand uh, very intimately how church works in Russia. But as you say, there's Orthodox churches and they're the ones that sort of have the state-sponsored, uh, like the uh, the endorsement of the uh, Russian uh, government. Uh, but uh, evangelical churches, are they looked on with some level of suspicion? How do you describe uh, evangelical churches as opposed to the Orthodox Church in Russia, Wally? Uh, Neil, the government in Russia has recognized the Orthodox Church, the Muslim Church, the, the uh, Judaism, and then Hinduism and Buddhism, five religions that are recognized. And under the Orthodox religion, there are the Protestants. The Protestants are considered sectarians, and so the Orthodox Church does not give them 
official recognition by the government. And therefore, it's a tragedy that the Pentecostal churches, the Baptist churches, and then the Autonomous Baptists, and then the independent churches of Russia, they have history, 120, 100-year history, some 70-year history, and yet the government is not recognizing them officially like the Orthodox Church. And the Orthodox Church says these people are called sectarians. They have broken away from the Orthodox Church, and that is a cloud over the Evangelical Church. And during this World Cup evangelism and opening up the doors of the Evangelical Church, they want the local people to understand that the, the Evangelical Churches are not sectarian. They love God like the Orthodox people love God. They love Jesus Christ, and in Jesus Christ they find the way, the truth, and the life. But the Orthodox Church says that Christ died for the Church, the Orthodox Church, and therefore if you're a member of the Orthodox Church, you are saved. And yet the Evangelical Church believes that salvation comes through a relationship with God, a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross. And that's, that's the difference. And the tragedy that the evangelical churches are not recognized by the Orthodox nor the government, and yet they receive official registration. So officially they're registered, but in the media, in the newspapers, the evangelical churches are considered sectarian churches. And that is a tragedy of, uh, of the evangelical churches in Russia, because they want to be recognized, they want to be seen, they want to be... Uh, exposed as a group of people who um, who bring goodness to society, who bring value to society, who are good for society, and therefore the World Cup has given us this opportunity to make not only the gospel known, but that the evangelical people are just normal people saved by grace, and uh, people who want others to have Jesus uh, in a relationship in their life. So when you've got this big, big program going, getting the scriptures into the hands of Russians, uh, what you're saying here is we talk about scripture distribution. This is a very, very powerful way to actually uh, introduce people to understanding the scriptures themselves and getting to the heart of this gospel. And uh, it is the churches that you're working with are evangelical churches. And you mentioned there's in the vicinity of 250 that are running these programs during the World Cup. Uh, just a minute or so out from the news, just quickly, uh, so far successes. Uh, have you had some good reports coming in from churches saying they've had lots of people coming into these uh, opportunities? Uh, yes, Neil. <clears throat> what we've received, uh, just today I received a report from Krasnodar. This is close to the Black Sea. And um, uh, the church didn't have a flat screen, but they had a screen where they viewed these games. And a host of young people came and uh, after, after their engagement with the Christian young people, they said, Oh, you evangelicals are normal. And so uh, they had coffee, they had tea with them, they listened to them sing, they listened to their testimonies, and they said, Well, we thought you were a splinter group from the Orthodox Church, okay. and you were people who were dangerous to society. All right. Walter, uh, Wally, you've been following a bit of the soccer. Uh, I imagine that since you... Uh, in fact, had a, a bit of a, a home stay here in Australia around the Gladstone area that you might be interested in what's happening with the Socceroos. Were you, were you interested in, uh, in the, the fact that the Socceroos were playing and uh, now knocked out? 
Uh, yes, I was. I was following the Australian team. I don't have a favorite team, but I was following the Australian team, and the Socceroos were knocked out, which was a disappointment. Another great disappointment, Germany, four times winner, was knocked out by South Korea today. Would you believe it? Two to zero. Germany is out of the games. And so uh, all these big uh, big teams, you know, are losing systematically, which is uh, quite amazing. And yet today in Russia, we are seeing victory, uh, victory after victory. Uh, because a young man told me just via email, sent an email and said, I had a new test in my hand. I came out of the metro station, and as I was walking out, I saw a young lady sitting in the vehicle, and she was crying. I came up, knocked on the window. She rolled the window down, and I looked at her, and I said, God loves you. He cares for you. This is God's word for you. Would you read it? She said, yes, I will. He said, everything will be okay. Trust God. And he walked away. And so young people are doing things like this uh, during the World Cup. And uh, the other amazing thing, uh, what they're doing, is that they're inviting people, local people, to come to an evangelical church. You must understand that outside the Orthodox Church, everything is sectarian. Everything is illegal. Everything is supposed to be, uh, you know, something that is outside the border of the Orthodox Church. Now, churches should have these cupolas. Churches should be cathedrals. Churches should have bells. Uh, churches shouldn't be a house. And yet the evangelical churches look like a house. Well, they don't have the funds to create cathedrals. And so when the people are invited to watch soccer on the big screen and then meet the young people who are normal, meet the young people who sing songs, meet the young people who share their testimonies, they've come into fellowship with Jesus Christ and the local church. And the young people are so surprised, and they said, we thought only old people go to church, and you've got young people coming to church. And so today, the evangelical churches of Russia in the 15 cities where the games are held are taking this opportunity and fasting and praying that God will prepare the hearts and minds of the people, not only to receive the Word of God, but also to receive the Gospel message. Wally, you raise an important uh, issue here. Uh, If we're talking about Russian churches and the Orthodox Church and uh, Evangelical churches and uh, the Evangelical churches uh, outlawed as a sectarian group, but uh, tell me about the the way that uh, perhaps uh, you know ages in the Orthodox Church. I don't know whether you know any official figures and such things. Uh, Is it sort of an aging church population in the Orthodox? And the surprise that you talk about when there are young people who are coming to faith in Christ, what's, what sort of issues can we talk about with, with, with it when we talk about age of people? Uh, the Orthodox Church has appealed to, say, an older generation of people. Uh, they appeal to the people who are more uh, visual, and so they have icons and they have a lot of meaningful things that take place within the church. Uh, Some would call it rituals. Some would call it uh, liturgy. Uh, Whatever the people would call it, the young people don't quite understand. The young people don't quite understand why should you come up to an icon and kiss the icon of St. Vladimir or St. Nicholas or St. Paul or St. John or St. Andrew. They don't understand why people have to bow and cross themselves and kiss this icon. 
So the young people stand there, watch the older people, and say, we don't understand that. Now, the evangelical church uh, says that you do not have to kiss an icon. You do not have to appease another saint. And you don't have to ask another saint to petition or to be an intermediator between you, because Jesus Christ is the intermediator. Jesus Christ is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, and not the saint. And so today, those uh, outside the Orthodox Church can be penalized for missionary activity, meaning any effort to share the information about their religious beliefs or doctrine, or to get non-members involved in their organizations, even if it takes place under their own roofs. And so missionary activity outside the Orthodox Church is deemed as unauthorized. And therefore, today, uh, the police and those... They're watching the evangelical churches. They're not finding them. We don't know what will happen after the games. But we do know of one incident, and I have photographs, and I have an email of a policeman. A policeman has 20 New Testaments on his, on his desk. And every time he stops an individual for an infringement of traffic, a traffic violation, he looks at them and says, you know what you need? You need to read God's Word. Instead of penalizing you with a fine, you need to take a New Testament and read it. And so this was 120 kilometers outside of Moscow. A policeman took upon himself taking the Gospels of John and the New Testament and sharing it with people who had violated some traffic incident and said, this is the way for you to fix your life up. So yet, even the police today are taking advantage of the World Cup and, and using the New Testament uh, to share with people on how they can fix their lives up, which is amazing. Hmm. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You might like to contribute to our conversation. We're talking about Russia, talking about the church, talking about an amazing outreach that's happening during the World Cup soccer. Let's take a call from Chris in Victoria. Hello, Chris. Welcome along. Um, good day, Neil. And well, yeah, uh, Russia, like everybody else, hates evangelicals because they preach salvation and not tradition, uh, and that makes them dangerous. Because uh, the Orthodox Church, like the Catholic Church, has a leader, and the leader controls the people. But the, the um, people know that evangelicals are only controlled by the Scripture, God's Word, and that makes them dangerous to the you know the leaders. Uh, in fact, there's probably arguments on both sides there of, of how things uh, might look dangerous. But if we come to you, Wally, on, on those thoughts from Chris, do evangelicals have a sort of a dangerous reputation in Russia? Well, it is, uh, Neil, uh, yeah, Neil, thank you so much. Uh, Chris is called, yeah, from, uh, from Melbourne. He is correct in the sense that, you know, they see danger in these people because they are a splinter group. They say uh, the danger in the evangelical group is that all of a sudden a young person comes into fellowship with Jesus Christ and reads the Bible, and the mother and the father goes to the Orthodox Church and they don't read the Bible, and the Orthodox Church is saying, you see, they split the family up. The son or the daughter who has become a Protestant is not going to the Orthodox Church, and so the family has been split. And so... Uh, in orthodoxy, you are baptized as a baby, as a child. 
you can be baptized as an adult, but generally speaking, you're baptized as a, a, as a baby. In the evangelical church, it's, it's believer's baptism. Those who believe and are baptized. And so uh, in the Orthodox Church, it's more of a covenant theology where the parents believe for you and baptize you. And believer's baptism is where you believe and then you're baptized. And so all of a sudden, a young person or a mother or a father from the Orthodox uh, family becomes an evangelical and wants to be rebaptized, for instance. All of a sudden, uh, the Orthodox Church is saying, well, you, you were baptized. Why don't they accept uh, the baptism of your uh, childhood? And they don't quite understand that believer's baptism and covenant uh, baptism is slightly different. And so the Protestants are dangerous to the Orthodox Church because many of them believe they're splitting up the family or they're splitting up uh, the children from the parents. And all of a sudden, who come, those who become Protestants, as, um, as Chris has said, they read the Bible. And as they begin to read the Bible, the Spirit of God begins to move in their hearts, and they begin to change and to be transformed into Christ-likeness. And so uh, people, uh, as uh, we were told, you know, there is a leader, a hierarchy, and if you don't follow like the sheep, that shepherd of the church, then you are a splendid group and somewhat dangerous to society, yes. Thank you so much to Chris from Victoria for your insights. When we talk about the church being seen to be politically subversive, uh, a danger, uh, I mean, it's, it all looks good when you think of the government uh, saying that the Orthodox Church is the one we'll endorse because we know what they believe, we know what they do, they're not a threat to us, they're not speaking out. But when you have people who are exposed to the Bible and the freedoms that we are led into when we appreciate that, you know, God is the one who is sovereign, uh, then somehow or other we are seen to be even a political threat. Uh, what are your thoughts on the politically subversive idea of what happens uh, with evangelical Christianity? Um, Neil, this is, a, this is an extremely interesting question because... Uh, Politically speaking, uh, all the evangelical churches have non-Russian names. The Orthodox Church, Pravoslavnaya, means the correct worshipping church. Now, as soon as you have an evangelical church, a Methodist church, the Russians look at the name Methodist, or they look at the name Presbyterian, or the Anglican, or the Baptist, or the Pentecostal, and so all of a sudden, it's non-Russian, it's Western. And so when they have a Bible that doesn't have a cross on it, they say, oh, this was not endorsed by the Orthodox Church. It wasn't endorsed by the synodal um, group of people of the Orthodox Church. And therefore, when they look at the evangelical churches, they consider it to be Western. And Russia, and even the president of Russia, Putin, has tried to bring to the rest of the world an alternative to the Western religion, which is Christianity as we know of, and Islam, and they tried to bring in orthodoxy. And the world does not understand orthodoxy, whether it's Greek orthodox or Russian orthodox. And the Greek orthodox and the Russian orthodox 
they view the evangelical church as Western. And so every time you have a Bible that doesn't have a cross on it, it's considered, well, Jesus is Australian, or he's American, or he's New Zealand, or he's Canadian, or he looks uh, like he's he's an Englishman. And therefore, uh, the danger in the evangelical church of adopting names, whether it be Presbyterian, Anglican, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Seventh-day Adventist, you see how strange they sound to the Russian ear, while as the Orthodox Church, Pravoslavnaya, which means the correct way of worshiping God. And therefore, they would prefer to have their own kind of traditional worshiping church, and it, it is an old church. It is an old church. But what they have lost is this fellowship of Jesus and fellowship with the local church or the members of the church. As, um, as uh, it was told to us that, you know, they do have a leader, and the leader tells them what to do, and then they follow. And that's the danger, Neil, of, of the Western churches, because we have so many names of the evangelical churches, and they consider us Western and not as traditionally uh, Eurasian, Ukrainian, or Russian uh, churches. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. As we've been hearing, soccer is not the only game being played at the World Cup. In fact, we're talking about a huge scripture distribution campaign. And in a nation where, as I reflect on what Wally shared a little earlier, Russia's ranking in global rate of addiction to injectable drugs, number one. Russia's ranking in global teen suicide rate, number three. 12,000 annual deaths of Russian women due to domestic violence. And Wally, as I understand it, uh, issues to do with alcoholism in Russia being so cold and uh, with those elements of poverty throughout the nation, uh, it creates a really dreadful situation for uh, people in their lives. And as we look at those sorts of statistics, that's pretty disturbing. Uh, But that really indicates a real need, doesn't it, for this gospel to go forth and for people's lives to be touched and changed and transformed according to the gospel. Neil, you have touched on a very, very, very very important point about the Russian people. Uh, it is basically the men who are addicted to drugs and to, uh, to alcohol. And today the women are turning to men who do not drink. And those are Central Asian people, men from China, and also Muslim men that come and work in Russia. And so they look at these men who do not drink or drink so much less than the Russian people. And so today, every fourth wedding in Russia is to a non-Russian individual or a non-Russian carrying passport. And so today, uh, this is is a huge problem where addiction and hopelessness causes these people to turn to um, chemical abuse. And so that's a tragedy for a nation. And so the nation has to look within itself and to cue itself. And Jesus said, come to me. And uh, he has water uh, after which you drink, you will thirst no more. And that's what the evangelical church would like to do. And just now, just now, I received an email from our director in Moscow, and Yuri 
was a young man distributing literature in the center of Kaliningrad. That's, uh, there's a city in Moscow, Kaliningrad, and there's also a little enclave like Hong Kong used to be of Russia between Germany and the Baltics. And he said, the police stopped me for the second time this week. They took me to their the bus. They, they photographed my passport, and they sent it somewhere through WhatsApp or the WhatsApp program, and they interrogated me for one hour, and after they finished, I was able to talk to them for 30 minutes about Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord, they let me go because they did not see me as a threat. And so today he is rejoicing that twice he's been able to witness to the policemen who have stopped him because he was distributing or he was placing scriptures in the hands of people who are interested. And so, yes, there are restrictions, and uh, the Bible tells us uh, the wide door of opportunity has opened before us, and yet there are many adversaries, those who oppose us. And those who oppose us, they need to hear the gospel too, and so that's what our trained School Without Walls students are doing. These are young people who have been trained for two years to engage other people uh, through evangelism and then discipleship and start a small group Bible study. So, Neil, yes, uh, results are coming in, and people will find out that later on the police will visit them because they're watching them, and after the games are over, I am sure there'll be youth groups who will be visited by the police, and how much literature did you distribute? Who did you give it to? Uh, they'll want to know all those questions, and who was behind this uh, whole organization. So I think somewhere, uh, somewhere down the line, Mission Eurasia will have to be ready to, um, uh, to answer some of the questions that they will pose to us. Mm. Well, Wally, time has run out. And just to reiterate, 600,000 pieces of scripture literature you're distributing during the Russian World Cup and 250 churches participating and uh, screening the games on big screen TVs and uh, poorer people around those communities and uh, outside of the bigger cities, uh, lots of poverty and people going to the churches, experiencing the hospitality of evangelical Christians, watching the game and being exposed to the gospel. And, of course, that creates the doorway into discipleship programs that you're also sponsoring in Russia. Let me point people to the Mission Eurasia website, missioneurasia.org, and we have and spoken about whether there's financial needs, uh, those sorts of things, but no doubt you're looking to make new friends, new connections, new prayer partners, and new financial supporters. And let me encourage listeners, if you have a real passion for the Russian people, a uh, wonderful opportunity to connect today with Walter Kulikov. Uh, we're calling him Wally, and uh, Wally, who has yes. Australian connections as well, but missioneurasia.org. Wally, thank you so much for taking some time today sharing your heart with us and uh, letting us in on some insights about Russian Christianity. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thank you, Neil. God bless you and God bless Australia. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.